Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of the So What Podcast. My name is Anna McGuire, and I'm so excited to have a conversation with you today about sowing intentionally into our lives so that we may reap abundantly in the days to come. Now, I am one to reflect quite a bit on seasons. I like thinking over the course of my life, the seasons of my life, and really take into account my experiences as well as the lessons that I've learned. What's so interesting is I look over this last year of my life, I've experienced quite a bit of life just like you have. And one thing that I was reflecting on is this incredibly unique season of COVID-19. What's so unique about COVID-19 is that in some way, we've all experienced it together. No matter what region of the United States or the world you live in, you've more than likely heard news about the virus. You know somebody who's had the virus or you've worn a mask and you've practiced social distancing. Even if your state or community didn't have strict COVID measures, COVID has somewhat been a universal experience. We've all experienced it to some measure. Here in Indianapolis, I saw firsthand the temporary closure of businesses and all the schools in the middle of March. And this was largely due, I guess, you know, not knowing a whole lot about the virus and how quickly it had come to the states and how quickly it had spread across the areas and whatnot. And here's something that was a little unique to me. I had my son, Archie, on February 21st of 2020. And when I had him... This still kind of blows my mind. I had my husband, my mom, my mother-in-law, and one of my best friends and favorite photographer, Holland, in the labor and delivery room with me. Seriously. I had all those people with me. COVID wasn't even a thought. Like, I remember a week before Archie was born, so it was February 14th, Andrew asked me what I wanted for Valentine's Day. I told him, I want to get a manicure because I want to have cute nails whenever I have this baby. I want to watch Star Wars and I want to order pizza from my favorite restaurant. So anyways, that's what we did for Valentine's Day. And I'll never forget, on Valentine's Day, I was getting my nails done and the nail technician, he said to me, have you heard about COVID? And I, and I was like, what? What? What do you mean COVID? I mean, my head was like, space was completely focused on having a baby in a week or so, and which I didn't know was going to be exactly seven days later. And uh, I was like, yeah, that virus in, in China. And he said, yeah, do you think it will come to America? And I said, I don't know. I mean, I guess so. But little did I know that just in a few weeks time, again, that COVID would be coming. So not only did I have all those people in the delivery room with me because COVID wasn't even a thing, I had dozens of people, not dozens, I had like a dozen or so people visit me during the three days I was in the hospital. Literally, I I, I think back to that time and I'm like, first of all, thank you, Jesus, that the timing fell that way. But little did I know that exactly three weeks from the day that I had Archie, so I had him on the 21st, three weeks later to the day. Not only would the world look different, but my life would look entirely different. And not just because I had had a newborn baby. I think we can all testify that quarantine, sheltering in place, whatever you want to call it, had its challenges. Whether you identify as an introvert or an extrovert, staying at home for extended periods of time with or without people can create unique tension in our lives like never before. 
With all that being said, after a few weeks of settling into the new normal, something beautiful happened. And I can only say that now as I reflect on the season in the moment. I don't know if I'd have been like, something beautiful is happening right now. But as I look back, something beautiful happened. And that was, I was present. The pervasive busyness of our culture slowly dissipated from my life. I suddenly began to feel detached from my phone, from social media and entertainment. And again, I understand I had a newborn baby, but where I would maybe automatically veg out on those things to recover from like lack of sleep, I felt very detached in a very healthy way. It also helped that my husband and I, weeks before quarantine, we decided to give up TV, except for the NCAA tournament, for Lent, which, spoiler alert, it was canceled. So it was kind of comical because Andrew and I decided to give up TV. And so here we are in quarantine. There's not a whole lot to do at home. So we had a lot of quality time, um, which I really do believe that was the Lord who put that on our hearts to not watch TV during Lent. But then the tournament was canceled because that's like our family tradition and we felt like you know what, we want to have the tournament a part of our lives in March. And then it was canceled. So that's kind of funny. So with not a whole lot happening in the world, like literally like nothing, there's like no TV for us. Um, and just a whole not, not a whole lot happening. I felt fully engaged in my world. So not a whole lot happening in the world, but I felt present and engaged in my world. I had slowed down long enough to start a healthy recovery from pregnancy and delivery and to really enjoy my family and to lean into my passions. As the quarantine season began to come to an end, I made a commitment to myself that I was going to take what that season had afforded me and put some of the principles I learned from such a weird experience into practice, mostly this idea of being present. But just as the default of Western life culture goes, slowly the busyness came back and with the busyness came a new battle to be fully present in my everyday life. And I use the word battle intentionally because that's what it felt like and that's what it does feel like most days. Even today, I think about my day today, how much I feel like I had to fight to be present. It was a battle. I love working on and practicing intentional disciplines and habits. If you know anything about me, I'm all about it. But being present and setting aside my distractions, I'm not going to lie, it has been really hard. Really hard. Like there's so much going on in the world right now that it almost feels good to distract yourself so that you don't really have to think at times. But the thing is, those distractions, they don't just move you away from the heartache or the pain or the heavy things. It also moves you away from being present and enjoying the here and now. You see, for me, between working at a middle school, commuting every day, being married to the hero of my life, having an eight-month-old who is teething, God bless him, uh, serving at our church, and getting to be a part of a few other ministry teams, I'm learning that my presence The presence of my body and my mind is the most precious gift I have to give. So, with so much going on in our lives, I think we can all agree it's challenging to keep our minds in tune with the moment. Not thinking of the next thing, but being fully present in the here and now. 
So it's hard. There's a lot going on. And if you add smartphones and Apple Watches, laptops, iPads, work deadlines, entertainment, a 24-hour news cycle, and so much more, giving your full attention, being completely present in each moment isn't as simple as it was a few months ago. I don't think anybody wants to go back to a full-on lockdown, but I think we could all agree that that season, that time really helped us to be present. It was a little bit simpler to be present. So here's how I would define being fully present. First, I would say being fully present means giving all of your attention to what or who's in front of you. So if you're at work, giving your entire attention to that. If it's a conversation with the person, giving your entire attention to that person. So that's the first thing, giving all of your attention to who or what's in front of you. And the second way I would define it is being mindful and aware of what's happening in the very moment. Being mindful and aware. So when you're there in the moment, again, whatever that may be, Whatever you're doing right now, your mind is aware of what's going on. You have like a clarity of thought. So being fully present, giving all of your attention to what or who's in front of you and being mindful and aware of what's happening in the very moment. You see, when we don't practice being present, I've both experienced and studied how it can have detrimental effects on your mental health, your relationships, and your productivity. You see, it leaves us with feelings of burnout a lot quicker because our mind is in a million places, so we don't have like a clarity of thought to think and work well on what's in front of us. We feel exhausted and tired because, again, we aren't present. We're just kind of going through the motions of life. The third thing is I think we, when we have this of not being present, we're just getting by, like we're just doing enough to get through the moment. And the other thing is is that We may have time with family and friends, but if we aren't present, if we aren't fully engaged, aware of the moment, giving our entire attention to the people in front of us, we may have the time with them, but is it meaningful? Is it meaningful and intentional time? So we understand not being present. It can have detrimental effects on our mental health on our relationships and our productivity. So how do we fight against distraction? How do we fight to make sure that we are fully present and fully engaged with each moment? Couple simple steps. This list isn't exhaustive, but some things with my studying and also personal experience, I think these things can help us start the process of being fully present. Things that we can apply right now, today. The first thing, take inventory on what takes you away from the here and now. So while you're at work, pay attention to what are my distractions? What are the things that are taking me away from being present in this moment? Or with when you're with your family or when you're with your friends or trying to get a good quiet time in of reading or prayer, meditation, whatever it may be, what is taking you away from that moment? Take inventory on it. What is interrupting you throughout the day? And then as you recognize those things, begin to be on the offense of those things. Begin to start shutting those distractions down as you can. And I'm going to get a little bit more specific with those what those things might be. So the first thing is take inventory on what takes you away from the moment. The second thing is I would say create 
house rules, practices, boundaries, whatever term you want to say for your electronics. Now, I say house because no matter if you're married, if you have roommates, whatever your living situation may be, even if you live alone, being present in your home is a gift to you and to the people that you may live with. So put some boundaries on your electronics, some rules on them. I find that this is the biggest culprit, not only when you're home, but also when you're at work. So you can say, create work rules for your electronics. See, our electronics, they can entertain us or give us information literally at the speed of light. And I have found that they're much of the problem when it comes to slowing down. So the rules may be, if it's at home, no TV after 9 p.m., putting your phone away in the evening, or if you're at work that you're just going to keep your phone in the drawer, whatever it may be, put some rules on your electronics, whatever your tipping point may be where it's your distraction. For me, these are just a couple that I have, is that there's no cell phone use first thing in the morning. I have some habits and some practices that I have a rule for me personally that I cannot get on my cell phone until I do those things. And then I also have it that if I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm not going to get on my phone because if I wake up in the middle of the night, that's some good thinking time. So staying off of that. I also do no social media before bed. Um, like in my bed, when I'm in my bed, I, I try to stay off my phone. I'm not perfect at this. This is something that I'm still growing in. But put some rules on your electronics, whether it's at home or at work. But I most see this problem while at home. The third thing that I would say, and this is brand new to me, is a silent commute. Or again, I know a lot of people are working from home, is a silent time at home. So I have a commute each day, whether yours is five minutes or 45 minutes, whatever it may be, I have made it almost a game in my mind that I'm going to make at least one way of my commute, whether it's on my way to work or on my way home from work, to make it silent. And this is what I do so that I can train my mind to be fully present in the moment, not rushing to get to work or rushing to get home. Yes, I want to be at work or be at home. I don't really want to be on the road. But to be present in the moment, to not think of the next thing, as I begin to do this thing is how many things can I notice today on my commute that I didn't notice the day before? Like that is my thing is, okay, what can I see? Whether it's a billboard or a tree or a parking lot um, or a sign, what is something that I can notice so that I just begin to take inventory of the world around me? And maybe if you're, again, working from home What is something in my house that I can notice that I've never noticed before? Or if you go on a walk each day, what is something in my neighborhood that I can notice that I never noticed before? Really, I guess the idea of the silent commute is really training my mind to take notice of the world around me. So that can be practiced. For me, it's the silent commute. Maybe it's just throughout your day that you begin to remind yourself, check in. Okay, what is something in my house that I didn't notice before? Maybe it's the way the paint looks when the sun is on it or uh, what the carpet does when, I don't know, my shoes have been walking on it for a long time. I don't know. Figure out something. Take inventory of the world around you. The fourth thing is, is leave work at work. Or again, a lot of us are working from home right now, is leave work in the work hours. 
So, and if you're freelance, I know this can be really hard. So make sure you schedule your hours. So if you're like, okay, I'm planning on working on it later tonight, put some margin on it, put some boundaries on that work time. But I would say leave work at work. I know productivity is king in our culture, that success is what all of us are striving for in some way, but I'm telling you, friends, there's so much research that actually putting an end to your work day in a healthy manner and not keeping it going throughout the day, you are going to actually be more productive and have better results by bringing work to an end at a healthy time. So leave work at work or leave work in the work hours. And then the last thing I would say, again, not an exhaustive list, but practical things that you can apply, that I can apply today, and that is social media time limits. See, almost all smartphones have gotten smarter, um, and they are now allowing you to put time limits on apps and websites. So I have a friend of mine. Um, she is very dogmatic about this. She has 30 minutes total on her phone for social media, which is amazing. And once it's done, it's done. The only person that can type in the passcode to unlock more time is her husband, which I have mad respect for her on that. For me, I can actually unlock it still on my phone. Um, but I think that's amazing that she does that, that she is that committed to spend that little time on social media, but I would say start small. So if you can look and see, okay, if I'm spending three, four hours a day on social media, which you're like, no, I'm not. Actually, go look at your your time log on your smartphone. It will tell you how much time you're spending on there. Try to cut it down by a third or even by half, and just start minimizing the time you can. It's that you spend on the apps. It's shocking how much time we spend on social media, and we don't even realize it. So I have again. My friend who does that, my sister, she's really great at having boundaries on social media. She doesn't even have to do it. She does it. So I'd say social media time limits. And again, you can help with that by putting the apps on limit on your phone. I'm finding that these five simple things, the take an inventory on what's taking you away from the moment, creating house rules or work rules on your electronics, having a silent commute, or just really taking inventory of your world around you. Number four, leaving work at work and five, social media time limits. I'm finding that those simple things are helping me to re-navigate the rat race Western culture has so that I can maintain boundaries so that I can be present wherever I find myself because I don't want to perpetuate potential exhaustion, burnout, fractured relationships, and even distress on my mental health. Not only that, but I also want to make sure that I don't run the risk of long-term missing out on my life. You know, we talk about FOMO in our culture, fear of missing out. We have fear of missing out on so many things except for the right things a lot of times. And missing out on, if we aren't present, we're going to find that we're going to be missing out learning from the seasons. We're going to miss out on growth opportunities, miss out on memory making with friends, family, and even yourself. We're going to miss out on deeper connections and relationships and really, bottom line, miss out on having fun because we're so caught up in the next thing or the million things in our mind and not training ourselves to be present in the moment. Missing out. That is what I've come to grips with. When I'm not present in the moment and I reflect on it later, 
I missed out on something special from that moment. I love this quote by Jim Elliott. He's a famous missionary. He says it this way, wherever you are, be all there. Super simple, but I believe a powerful anthem to live by and to strive for wherever you are. Be all there. In the 21st century, this isn't something that accidentally happens. It happens with intentionality. It happens with sowing well. It happens with practicing and failing, but trying again. It happens with having the resolve that your attention is a precious commodity and that wherever you are or whoever you're with or whatever you may be doing, your attention and your full presence of mind and body is a real gift to give. My hope and my prayer for you is that today you are encouraged and also challenged to reflect on, am I being present in the moment? Am I giving all of my attention to who and what is in front of me? Am I mindful and aware of what is happening around me? And then as you ask yourself those questions, may you dare to apply one, two, or all five of these things that we talked about. Taking inventory of what takes you away from the moment, creating house or work rules for your electronics, having a silent commute or a time to really take inventory of your world around you. Number four, leaving work at work. And then last but not least, putting time limits on social media. May you be challenged and not just challenged, but may you be compelled to practice this today. May you sow intentionally so that you may reap abundantly in having wonderful relationships and memories in the days to come because you chose to be fully present. Remember, friend, I am always in your corner and cheering you on, and I believe that you can fight against this pervasive idea that we must not only remain busy but hustle for what's next, but that you have the ability today to be present in the moment. Wherever you are right now, May you be all there. I love you, friend, and I will talk to you next time.